Cool play to make it Tuesday, 104.5 The Zone. How in the world are you? One more hour of the show. Coach Matt coming up in just a few minutes. We'll get all into the Julio Jones trade and him coming to Tennessee. And what do things look like going forward? Talk about all that with Coach Matt coming up. Headlines right now, and uh, this is probably the biggest one. As we started the show yesterday, the Titans were about $9.5 million in the hole via the salary cap. We knew there would be some kind of restructure done. There was. Ian Rappaport breaking the news. Ryan Tannehill restructured his contract. It created more than $50 million in cap space. Or 15, 15, 15, 15, not 50. One five million in cap space. I mean, if they have 50, they better go get some of everybody at that point. But it's 15, which is just about what they needed to pay Julio Jones, who's set to make 15.3. So Tannehill essentially gets $23 million dropped in his bank account. And he will get the base amount that somebody for his experience level will get paid in the NFL, which is a little over a million dollars. That will become his salary for the year. He'll get one seventeenth of that throughout the season. And he gets 23 million today. Blaine, that got you excited earlier. We'll put this question out on Blaine and Mickey. Somebody drops $23 million in your bank account today. What's the first thing you're buying? 23 million. What's the first thing you're buying? Because I got a feeling maybe Mr. Tannehill, or well, he's probably busy with OTAs, Mrs. Tannehill, maybe she got to buy something today. $23 million dropped in the bank account. And I know it's a little less after taxes. Yeah, I was just about to correct. It's more like uh, $16 million. All right. <laughs> after $16 taxes. Million, whatever it may be. Uh, you know, Tannehill has made so much money over his time. I, I don't know if that's... Uh... You know, that's uh, the nest egg. You know, you, you put that <laughs> into something for your kids, kids, kids. You know, that, that's where you at with that. So I don't know if they really actually buy something. I'm sure he always got his nice house here in Nashville and Miami and Texas and, you know, all over the place. So, yeah, they live Ooh. in that, 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 that life right now, man. So maybe yeah. you take that, buddy, and you buy like a house in Europe somewhere. Maybe that's what you do with this, right? You got your house in Miami, probably. Certainly living somewhere nice in Nashville. Maybe you go buy something somewhere in Europe then. Yeah, well, yeah. He was going to get it one way or another. He gets it sooner than later. (laughs) He was going to get it regardless. It's just now he gets to decide (laughs) earlier that what I want to do with this next set instead of bits and pieces throughout the season. And we want to call it bits and pieces (laughs) every two weeks. I mean, I always used to wonder, like, what that looked like. You know, I was with McNabb, and he he, he could sign a $150 million contract right when I went to Philly. And I'm like, dang, man, that means he's, like, getting every two weeks, like, a million dollars. I'm like, wow, that's phenomenal. Good Lord. They only get paid during the six months of the season or whatever. (laughs) I'm like, right. And I wonder what that's like. This right here tops the cake. They just dumped sixteen million in your account after taxes. Like, move the dump truck. Got the Brinks truck for you. Have a good day, Tannehill. Just make sure you keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, really. You can't. Hey, man, you can't slip up. Matter of fact, you yeah. got to be better. Yeah. Uh huh. So, and I'm glad you brought that up. You know, all jokes aside. Now the pressure actually is on not only just Tannehill but the offense. Now we can yep. say the pressure was there last season. And and it was the, for them to, you know, play well every game. And they did until they got to the playoffs with, with the Ravens and they're going against a great defense. Uh, I think it now is kind of ratcheted up a little bit. I, I think people think this team is built now to go far. And, you know, they still have to come together and learn how to play with each other on both sides of the ball. A lot of new additions. 
but eventually you're thinking they're Super Bowl contenders where it may be this year or maybe next year. Because I think you got this two-year window here to yeah. see what you got and see where you go with this group of guys because they have enough talent. We all know talent's not everything. They got some stud players on both sides of the ball that can, can take you there. They got a great safety. They got some great linebackers. They got some great corners, potentially great corners. Uh, yeah, D linemen, we already know about them. And O line, receivers, running back, quarterback. I mean, you start going through every position group, you go, man, I, I feel pretty comfortable. Besides, like the cornerback, but you got, you know, the kid who uh, left his car in, in Rugger Parking for a Rolls Royce <laughs> or wherever it was. Good Lord. Uh, yeah. You are somebody who has also had a nice vehicle stolen once upon a time. Yeah, but I, I was not at the airport. People keep saying on, I, don't, I, didn't, I wasn't at the airport. I was oh, at I know. Kroger by I know. the airport. Oh, I know. Yeah, them dudes straight carjacked me, man. I was scared for my life. I had never been scared before like that and ever. Shoot, I was a, I was scared, you know, one time covering Jerry Rice one-on-one my rookie year and my legs were shaking, but this was a different kind of scared. It was, it was, it was like, oh, you saw end. You saw this guy's got a big gun and I have nothing. <laughs> were you like, hey man, I got a spare set in the glove box if you need those too. Just take everything. What yeah. you need. Here's the keys. No, nah, man. I just, I said, well, I'm going to live with what God gave me. And that was, I'm going to run in a zigzag as fast as I can go. <laughs> and if you shoot me and hit me, then I would, it was, it was, I wasn't going to get away. Yeah, he, he, that luckily for me, my G wagon door was real heavy and he had to use both hands to, to, to open it. So yes, that helped me out tremendously. <laughs> Were you getting toothpaste? Was that it? Yeah, I was getting like something, you know, something like that, like toothpaste, deodorant. deodorant. Watch this, watch this. All to save a buck because of those high prices at the airport. Oh, man. You All to you. save a buck almost cost me my life. Oh, my God. Now I just go straight in there and say, I'm spending that. Okay, I should have stopped at uh, Walgreens or CVS. Too bad. Yeah, all for that. Trying to, trying to be, I was cheap then. <laughs> I'm still cheating now. People laugh at me. I, you know, hey, hey, man, it is what it is. You need to get 23 mil dropped in your bank account. Then you would you buy any deodorant you wanted. Oh, yeah. I, no, I just have it sent to me. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like we get our water sent to us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, do you remember what it was like, though, to get your first your first week check, your first NFL check? Not your bonus check, because I know you got drafted, so you got a bonus of some kind. Oh, you my remember, bonus of the 20000 that I got? You got 20000 Okay. Well, that had to have been pretty cool. No, after tax, that thing was $11,000. Hey, man, I'd never seen $11,000 when I was that age, so I would have been jumping up and down. Okay, so your first game check, how was that, though? It wasn't very much either. You, you forgot <laughs> the time I came in there, man. What was that? So you guys made about a hundred grand, right? A little okay. over a hundred. Uh, yeah, I made one twenty. Okay. Yeah, one twenty. So it wasn't like it was woo. And and mind you, now it, now it's different. We were getting paid through the whole year, not oh. just for the season. So that's oh. why I say that. So you know, hundred, you know, twenty turns into after taxes, like you know, you know, seventy five. And so 75 spread over a whole year was like, yeah, I got a little bit of dough, but I don't have no dough. 
So my third year is when I made like 800. Then that's when I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> this is what it feels like. It makes some decent money. Yeah, you know, and then after taxes. And I always do the taxes because, you know, 800 is not 800. 800 was more like 500. Yeah, I used to get pissed off with my tax guy. It, boy, I'd be perturbed like, dude, I'm up here. So then when you start making money, I just start making real money to millions till we got here. Oh, yeah, God. I had to hold out to get that that, that yeah, six year, 18 million. That was my whole contract. And I didn't make it all the way to the end. <laughs> <laughs> I made it to five of it. Oh, so. Yeah. Uh-huh. <sighs> yeah. So, yeah, they, I had to hold out and fight and claw for all of that. Meanwhile, I'm up there jumping over, you know, uh, big old, big old Randall McMichael type people. Acting like I'm insane to, to get that check. <laughs> hey man, y'all, y'all just screwed my brain all up. <laughs> like what right-minded guy would be like, yeah, I'm gonna run through that 300 pound guy. I'm gonna make this play. Like, man. I used to, I, I used to be like, dang man, I wish I was smarter like Samari, man. He was like, man, I'm hey Blaine, I'm not talking to Jerome Bass, man. <laughs> hey man. I'm trying to live, man. I was like, hey, man, just grab the shoestrings. I'm coming. <laughs> I wasn't smart enough. I was be like, all right, coach said, go get them. I'm going to get them. <laughs> yeah, you told me some guys making business decisions out there like, hey, man, I ain't about to hit that guy. You have at it. Yeah, they, they would. I mean, they just give you that look like, hey, man, that ain't <laughs> happening. Or do you want me out here covering this guy after this play, this receiver? Like, you know, I remember like, hey man, uh, that running back pretty good over there. Hey man, he got some big old thighs. Did you see him? We be this is what we talking about on the sideline. <laughs> I'm like, man, you better just just make him stutter his feet, man. Just dive and close your eyes. <laughs> Dana <sighs> Sidney, oh Dana Sidney. <laughs> Oh my God, he'd have the bambiest look on his face. Them eyeballs would jump out of his face. He's like, hey man, that dude is big. I'm like, what? Do, what do, I, do I look like I'm big? Hey man. <laughs> hey, they got us out here playing man to man. I got my guy. Oh. He came around there. I'm like, whoa. It looked like a big old horsey. <laughs> All right, we got we got to buck this Bronco onto the break here, Coach Mack. <laughs> so to join us next on Blade and Mickey. Yep. Blade and Mickey, one zero four five, the zone. Coach Mack about to jump in the discussion with us. Um, if you're looking to buy jerseys to commemorate, you know, this newest Titan, AJ Brown tweeted earlier today that he tried to give Julio Jones a number 11, but he would not take it. He essentially tweeted, I tried to give this man the number 11, but he would not take it. That leaves A.J. Brown as number 11. I would imagine we see Julio Jones rocking the number eight, Blaine, so all these people with a Mariota jersey can, you know, throw the tape across that and just pencil in uh, Jones. They'll be set. Just recycle those, those jerseys, man. Keep them going. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's just crazy. We're in this generation now. He has to tweet out that he offered him the number. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he. let's just say this. Uh, nobody was going to be paying to get those jerseys uh, that were still not sold. Mm-hmm. 
So we appreciate your effort, but your new team, to me, you should get a new number, especially uh, if that number is taken. Uh, so, yeah. We're number eight at Alabama, like I said. That's that's the number that a lot of people think that he will wear. Coach Mack joins us now. Coach, when you were playing for TCU, what number were you? I was number 27. Oh, you and Eddie George. I love it. I was number I was number 27. Uh, my high school number when I came in to be a frog, from being a Snyder Tiger to being a TCU frog, my high school number was 44 because that's the number Donnie Anderson wore at Texas Tech, and he was a West Texas hero. But then so when I got to TCU, I was 27. Boy, Donnie Anderson, one of those Lombardi Packers too, Coach. Don't get me started on this football history stuff. You know I'll keep going all day. Yeah, here's a little history. Donnie Anderson, when Donnie Anderson and Joe Namath were the two number one picks that year, uh, Snyder, Texas had a nine-hole golf course, and oil was running like it was water out of the ground there. So everybody had more money than God. They brought both of those guys in there for a golf tournament, and I caddied for Donnie Anderson and Mitch Rambin, the other guy caddied for uh, Joe Namath. Wow. Hey, can you tell people who don't know about the old Southwest Conference and just how much fun that was in those days? No, I mean, it was, you know, it was just a, it was like an in-house war because everybody <laughs> except Arkansas was in the state of Texas. And so, you know, everybody yeah. hated everybody else. And it was awesome. I mean, you could have a next door neighbor that went to A&M and your other next door neighbor went to SMU and you were a frog. And so you hated them both. And they were all trying to recruit the same people. I can't imagine. You were one of those people. I can't imagine what that was like. Well, it was great. Yeah, it was, it was great. I mean, I was fortunate enough to have an opportunity to be recruited by most of them. And uh, it was a it was it was a it was a experience. I promise you guys that. Well, everything with Coach Max is an experience. Dave McGinnis brought to you by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Need great health care coverage at an affordable price. Let Farm Bureau Health Plans coach you through it. They got you covered just like Coach Mack has us covered every week. Yeah, we don't see Coach Mack today, so, man, I, I'm almost don't know if I believe this is Coach Mack. Your voice sounds a little changed a little bit, Coach, but you no, can continue. No, it hasn't changed. You can, you can believe it's me because nobody could tell you a TCU frog story like Coach Mack. I, I no doubt, and that's where I was going to go. I was going to say, tell us a little bit about the history of Coach Mack and from high school as a football player to TCU. Yeah, give us a history lesson. Well, I mean, growing up in a small West Texas town, I mean, you, you, if you were an athlete, you played every sport, you know, from the time that you could play the sport growing up. But my two main things I started concentrating on when I, you know, I, when I got to, to, to high school to be serious about it was football and then baseball. And that's, uh, the, those are, those are, those are my two go-tos. And so, you know, it was, look, growing up in a town of 11,000 people in West Texas, if you, if you were the athlete in town, it was pretty special and it was a lot of fun. Now there was pressure because believe me, then you would you would have on Monday mornings at the quarterback club meeting everybody being everybody would be in the cafeteria and you'd have your jerseys on sitting up front and all the boosters would be behind you and then they'd put the film on and they'd let it roll and they're smoking cigarettes back there saying, Run out back, coach. What's that McGinnis boy doing here? Looks like he could be a little tougher on this play. So you learn to toughen up pretty quick. Wow, that's how they were. Oh man, so they let them, they let the fans and boosters uh get y'all riled up, man. Well, I guess that's how the Titans are all riled up now. The Titans fans, man, how big of a deal is signing Julio Jones? Do you think to the Titans fan, let alone the organization and the team? What the fans, Blaine? Since this, since this thing hit on Sunday, when uh, Mike Keith called me and we went up to the stadium. 
to do the OTP with Amy Wells and Ashley Farrell. And then from then, that's, I, I've done – I'm not talking about inside Nashville, you know, with, with 104.5 The Zone. I'm talking about outside uh, of radio hits that I've done since then. I think I've done 13 since then and still have some more to go today and tomorrow. I uh, did a deal with the Atlanta Constitution today. I mean, every, it, this was the news in the National Football League. This was the news in the league and, uh, you know, rightfully so. And, and the people at the Atlanta Constitution asked me, you know, what's the, the how does it, what's the atmosphere there? And I said, everybody's excited, as they should be. I said, you're excited. You got a chance for a generational athlete to, to add to a good football team. I said, everybody's extremely excited. And he said, well, you sound excited. I said, that's because I am. You know, I'm just telling you the truth about how it is. Well, Coach, tell us the truth. If you were still a D.C. today or head coach, how are you game planning versus A.J. Brown, Julio, and the Kane, let alone Kenny Hill? Yeah, well, I mean, again, Blaine, I mean, you played defense in this league for a long time. You know immediately once you get into that those defensive meeting rooms, you know, when you're getting ready for an opponent like this, the first thing that we always did, you, you, you experienced it all the years that you played because you were in the very same system, you know, that, that, that I – ran and was in for years is you, you try to take away the the guy well now all of a sudden you got three guys and you've got to decide now what you've got to decide if you're going to double one of them you're going to double one of them take your chance one-on-one on the other one well then they're going to exploit the one-on-one and then if you try to cheat from inside out as you know you know the old thumbs technique where you would run out underneath the receiver on the outside sometimes from the second level oh, yeah. if you want to cheat if you want to cheat from that then all of a sudden you have lightened that box and now Derrick Henry is running against a six and a half man box which to me is you know that that's a recipe for disaster for a defense so this just opens up so many more venues for this offense and I'm I'm going to be excited to watch and see what Todd Downing is is going to do with this. But, uh, you know, the fans should be excited about it. And I'll tell you who else is excited about it, uh, the, the, the Titans players, because they understand they understand two things. First of all, that uh, this organization is doing everything it can to give them an opportunity right now in this moment in time to do as well as they can. And plus, it shows faith in the guys that are already here saying, we think you guys are a really good football team, and we want to add somebody to make us an even better football team. And so when they that kind of, of faith is shown in a locker room, you know how much difference that makes. No doubt about it. We're on with Coach Mack giving us the Mack attack. And, and Coach, I know if everything works out well and they stay healthy and the team plays up to their ability, do you think this team then is a, a Super Bowl contending type team, at least on paper, just based off the talent? Yeah, I can't. I would. I, I can't say that, Blaine. I, I never would say that about any team. I, I, I never said that about the Bears team when we were fourteen and two. All you can do is is practice and 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 prepare and get together and then lay it out there because you're not going to even approach that world until you start winning ball games. I can probably tell you that about seven or eight weeks in seeing how many wins we have stacked, how many pressure situations this team has been in, how everybody has responded to it, that's when you get a real feel for it. You know, just you know, trying to say that just with, what's, with what your roster is, you know and I know that, that, that that's not the reality of the world in the National Football League. But I will say this, the more good players you accumulate, the better teams that I've been on, we have accumulated a lot of good players. And so that's what they've done here, and nobody can, can refute that. Oh, no doubt about it. Coach, and I was trying to just kind of think of off the top of my head, and you kind of tell me, you 
historian of the league. You know, I, I can think of the Colts when they had Wayne and Harrison and James and actually Peyton Manning at quarterback. But some type of nucleus like this, uh, maybe you could say the Rams, uh, you know, the run, you know, you know, <laughs> run the darkness for us. But uh, yeah, the Rams. Uh, any other combination on offense that you can think of off your top of your head that can eclipse uh, this type of firepower, let's call it that, on offense? Well, it reminds me a little bit. I mean, a little bit of the Cowboys, you know, when they were rolling, you know, with, with, okay. with what they had, you Harper know, with, with what they had. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they had they had three real dudes. And then when they had Harper out there, I mean, uh, but to me, these two, here, here's what is, is unique about, about this place. I can tell you about some places that have maybe had these, this kind of a, a, a triple combination. And then when you put the quarterback in, it makes it a four-headed type deal. But this running back, that is here at the Tennessee Titans is different than any running back that's come around in a while because of this, Blaine. You sometimes, as a defensive coordinator, you are willing to give up that stack box to let them run the ball because you know that those guys on the outside and that ball, as you know, travels further and farther and quicker through the air than it does on the ground. That's not the case with this running back. This running back can hit a home run from wherever you hand it to him. That, to me, is the big difference. Well, with Coach Matt giving us the Mac attack. Coach, I read some stuff earlier. It, people think of the Titans as a running team, and they should because they're typically among like the top three rushing team attempts-wise in the league. But they still scored more touchdowns than anybody over the last couple of years. They've got more plays of 50 yards than anybody in the league over the last couple of years. It, I, I tried to explain this. I did a radio hit in Jacksonville, in Jacksonville with some friends. And even with a running game, because Derrick Henry is so explosive and can take it from the house, they still have a lot of big plays, even handed it to big number 22. Yeah, and that's my point, Mickey, as you know, I was making yeah. the blame there. I mean, this is, this, is a different, this is a different type of a thing when you start talking about being able to, to defend this football team. And it is a running team, you know, because you've got a great running back. But this, this offense is so, it has so much synergy to it between the run game and the pass game. And that's the way Mike Shanahan devised it, you know, uh, years back when he was first putting it in because he wanted to put – a conflict down through every down on the defense. You know, and a conflict down for our listeners is where the defense has to play running pass 50-50. You can ask Blaine right there, the more times that you can not play run pass 50-50, whichever way you're tipping the scale, it helps you defensively. If you have to defend them both equally, well, then you're behind when the ball is snapped. And the thing, the thing that they do, the run action here looks so much like the play action the play action, it looks like a run coming off of it. There's so many complementary routes that you can run, and when you start getting your force element into it, all you've got to do is pull one of those force elements up, and those TRCs, as our listeners listen to be broadcast with Mike Keith, those transcontinentals that come from cut splits from one side of the, of the, of the formation to the other, those are big, huge plays. Those are gash plays that are very simple against you know, single high coverage. And so it, it's a really nice uh, meld of, of philosophies w that this offense has, has morphed into since Mike Shanahan started it. And these guys, these guys now, I mean, you can still play really physical, physical bully-type football, but you can play it with your guys on the outside too. And let me say this, A.J. Brown and, and, and Julio Jones, they don't have to be wide open to throw it to them. They're both tremendous combat catchers. That's a huge plus too. Well, and they've got a guy who's turned into maybe the most efficient quarterback. I mean, I'm not talking about arm talent, maybe like the ridiculous guy in Kansas City, but as far as an efficient guy, 
who can get the ball to anybody, anywhere, anytime. I mean, they've got that guy, Ryan Tannehill, to pull the trigger on this thing. Yeah, well, arm talent to me in the National Football League for a quarterback is accuracy and, and, and throwing to the open people. You know, that, yeah. that, 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 that's what arm talent is. Arm talent's not sit, standing, uh, kneeling on your knees at the 50-yard line and throwing it through the goalpost. That doesn't count. You know, it, it, it's, it's, you've got to be you got to be efficient with where you're going with the football. You've got to be accurate where you're going with the football, and then you have to be then you have to be able to perform that under pressure with the various looks you're going to get. All you got to do is look at the production from Ryan Tannehill these last two years, and you know that he's the, he's the ideal quarterback to run this offense. Yeah, Coach Mack, the ideal guy to do this segment every week. Brought to you by Farm Bureau Health Plans, right here on Blade and Mickey. Coach Mack, as much as I believe Julio Jones is a phenomenal talent and an exceptional player is going to help the team be a better team, great team guy, typically a receiver can only help your team just a little bit, and you maybe you don't know that, and I'm talking about a little bit in wins and losses. Typically only a quarterback change kind of changes the identity of what the wins and losses are. I mean, Having Julio Jones, we all know people now are going to be watching for the pass and doubling both sides. Do you think, uh, how much do you think he can equate to wins and losses on a team? Uh, a lot of people say it could be one, some two, two games. Uh, what are your thoughts when you hear something like that? Well, I, here, here's the way that, that, that I, I, I would perceive that and would answer the, that question is, is, is the more playmakers that you have, because you guys know, and so do our listeners know that, and it, it's a cliche, but the National Football League is so close that it comes down to three or four plays a game. So if mm-hmm. you've got that guy that can give you one of those plays, you know, on some week and, and can flip it, well, then it's all worth it. But it has to be done on a consistent basis. And so absolutely, the better playmakers that you have, the more that you have, the more chances you have for one of them to be that guy that contributes on that one or two or three or four plays that makes a difference in the ball game. And I will say this, too. You, you get a receiver like, receiver like this that, again, puts more pressure on the opposing defenses. That helps your defense out, too, because mm-hmm. some of the best defense I have ever coached in my life <clears throat> in this league was when I was with the Bears in the early years, and we would stand on the sideline and watch Walter Payton run up and down the field. We were a really good defense. Because by the time we went in there then, the, the other team was either behind or was trying to catch up, and then we could play a completely different game. So it all goes together hand in hand. Well, Coach Mack, give him some Mack attack. All right, Coach Mack, before we let you go, uh, OTA is going on right now, then there'll be a mandatory mini camp. W- what are you trying to accomplish at these OTAs? Like what's the thing that you're trying to accomplish before you get to that mandatory mini camp? Getting all these new guys acclimated into what's going on. I mean, it's such a different world coming in, you know, either new players to your team or, you know, younger players on your team that didn't quite get, you know, the the, the reps, uh, you know, last year. And plus all of your rookies last year that did not get all of this. You've got there's, – there's so much acclimation that goes on, learning how to practice, uh, learning how to work, getting them – so that when the vets do all get together – you have your mandatory mini camp, and then so you, by the time you break and then come back, you know for training camp, everybody can be somewhat at the same speed and on the same page because you don't have much time. You know, you know how fast it goes, Blaine. But when you go into training camp, how fast it is! All of a sudden, you know you're getting ready to play the Arizona Cardinals. You know the first week of the season. So acclimation, acclimation, knowledge of what's going on. That's what they're doing right now. Well, Coach, you always help our knowledge of what's going on. We love having you on and uh, look forward to next week already when we can talk to you again, brother. 
Guys, it's always great being on with you guys. See you. Appreciate Thanks. it, Coach. The great Coach Mack right there. Love it. Love the enthusiasm. Normally he Zooms with us, but he's out and about, so we're on his phone. 13 radio hits to talk about Julio Jones. Hey, man, the Titans don't often tip the scales nationally. This Julio Jones thing has done it. Now, this won't tip the scales nationally, but uh, a big piece of Tennessee history is going to be walking off into the sunset. Uh, I know Buck and Lucas got into this a little bit earlier. The great Tim Priest. Oh, my gosh, I love that guy on the broadcast. I know Lucas has got a couple of his best calls. We asked on Blaine and Mickey about your favorite Tim Priest calls. Most people have said one that involved Jalen Tabor, one that involved swearing. There's another one that somebody brought up. If you got a Tim Priest favorite, we've got time to take a couple calls. 615-737-1045. We'll salute Mr. Priest when we come back. Blaine and Mickey, 1045 is on. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Um, you hear this guy on Saturdays in the fall on the station, Tim Priest, as part of the Vault Network. It's funny because back in the day, you had play-by-play announcers, and a lot of them were homers. And they were great homers, and they were live and die by their team. And over the years, it's kind of faded away from that. The play-by-play guy is more of a straight guy, but so, most times, or oftentimes, or sometimes, the color guy on the broadcast can be that guy to just call it exactly like he sees it. He's not down the road. If it's great, he's excited. If it's terrible, he lets you know. And to me, Tim Priest has been fantastic at that. And we asked earlier on Blaine and Mickey, you know, tell us your favorite Tim Priest call. We'll get to some of those because there's a couple that you'll think of immediately. But Logan from Nashville has called in. He wants to share a favorite Tim Priest moment, 615 737 1045. Logan, welcome into the show, man. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Oh, sorry about that. My my phone's switching in and out. But 2015, Tennessee's playing Florida, and we line up for that 52-yard field goal. And I was just helping my parents move, and they didn't have the TV hooked up yet. And kicked the field goal. Bob Kessling sitting there saying, oh, it's got the leg. It's going straight. And about that time on the radio, Tim Priest hollers, it's good. It's good. We go flying outside, celebrating, hooping and hollering. Everybody's having a good time. Go back inside the house. And Tennessee lost because we kicked it just, just a little bit to the right. <sighs> Best Tim oh. Priest moment in my life. Appreciate it, guys. Oh, Timmy, yeah. Timmy, Tim, Tim. <laughs> Um, Jump the gun a bit. If you ever hear Mike Keith, that's why he will not say a word. He'll say, you know, ball ball snap, set, on the way. He waits. He never wants to jump the gun. That's why Mike Keith calls kicks the way he does. Um, I think the favorite for a bunch of ball fans involves uh, Jalen Tabor. I know you've got that, Lucas. Let's hear the get you some. Joe, we don't have him. He looks like he's All the way to the checkerboard. Touchdown, Tennessee. What a grab by Jawan Jennings. Get you some of that, Jalen Tabor. (laughs) (laughs) So several people mentioned that one. Uh, Tim himself, do you have the one where he swears? Uh, Lucas, 
He was on with Buck earlier today, Tim Priest. And you can check out all of our shows. You can check out everything we do on the podcast page at 104.5 The Zone. You can go back and listen to all the stuff we've done. You can also check out this interview with Buck and Tim. And Tim basically said, you know, he had to watch his tongue sometimes. He said he did most of the time, but maybe not a couple of times. This may have been one of those times. Just got to be careful with this throw. Gets the pitch, snap, back to throw, quick slam, is intercepted at the one-yard line. Whoa, he let one go. (laughs) After he said, whatever you do, just don't throw throw it to the other team, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, T. Wiley says on Twitter, this is the quote, I know they're just out there playing against air, Bob, but this quarterback is really impressive. He said, Tim, complimenting the University of Cincinnati quarterback for shredding the ball's atrocious defense in the second half of a game in 2011. I know he's just throwing against Ayer, but he looks really good. <laughs> he didn't hold that, back. That dude would get so exasperated because think, if you're a Vol fan, you have suffered so much with so much bad football over these last few years. And, and certainly the boat has seemed to be tipping in the right direction some. And then the boat goes right back in the other direction. And that dude would get so exasperated during the game. And he just wouldn't hide it. But here's the thing. That's what you love about him, though. That's right? what you love about him. He's just as pissed off as you are. I mean, he left his blood and sweat and tears on that field. I mean, he's, what, do he have 18 career receptions? I think that's still number one. That dude won an SEC championship. When you know that the guy in the booth feels as bad as you do, and he's as mad as you are. I love that. And in college football, you can still get that. Now, Pat Ryan has taken over, and Blaine, he was uh, the Titans color guy during during some of your era. And we all love Pat, and we know the Music City Miracle Call, which he and Mike are immortal on. I think he's got something. I think he's got something. So Pat's going to take over and do a great job, uh, but certainly going to miss hearing Tim on Saturdays because he was fun, and he wore his heart on his sleeve. Yeah, you know, you felt like you could relate to him because he was a fan just like everybody else. And that's exactly how you you felt at those moments. And he was doing it on air. That's that was one of the reasons why I didn't get into broadcasting games and te- <laughs> because I was afraid I would be just like that and, and way worse. <laughs> uh, but actually not just like that, but way worse and just be, uh, you know, just wanting the team to win so bad and wanting it just like a fan. And he expressed that and the people related to that and they they loved him for it. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, that, that was pretty cool. So wish him the best, and I'm sure he'll he'll be uh, having fun and spending time with uh, family and uh, friends now. Mm-hmm. Great run, he said. He said his wife told me you made me sit in the sun, the sunny side of the stadium for all these years, and now you retire, and we're getting tickets on the shady side. So uh, they're going to be uh, spending more time with their family, grandkids. He said he's got grandkids that are that are uh, athletes, and, and they're competing, and he wants to watch them now. Tim, we wish you the best. He's been on the radio station on all the shows. We love talking to him, and uh, we'll miss him, but we know Pat will do a great job. I know 3HL is probably going to get into this some, and I can't wait to hear it, uh, Brent and Don and Ron. Uh, but for now, it's time for us to say goodbye and hand it off to the 3HL crew. We'll see you tomorrow on Hump Day, everybody. No doubt. Happy Tuesday. Peace.